and welcome to the Aspire to Be podcast. I'm your host, Julie Kropgorelik. It's no mistake that my first guest is a longtime colleague and friend, Jeff Taves. Aside from being what I consider my first friend in Atlanta, Jeff has built an amazing career, starting in radio broadcasting, taking on roles in sales, development, marketing, and consulting. His career includes brands you'll recognize, such as IBM, Gartner, and even Junction Creative. <laughs> Just this year, Jeff added to his title, business owner, bringing a woman's clothing boutique, Bobbles and Lace, to Atlanta. I'm excited to hear about this new venture, Jeff. Welcome. Hey, Julie. Good to be here. Yeah. Well, great. Well, let's get into it. Let's start back at the beginning. So I know your roots are in Boston. That's right. So tell me about how you grew up in... Yeah, so Boston, my family's been there for a lot of years. I got some pretty interesting stories if I start looking back at my ancestry, right? Salem, Massachusetts was settled by my 10 times great-grandfather. So we'll start with that. His name is Roger Conant. Wow. Um, my grandmother's name was Claire Fitzgerald Conant. Yeah. Um, and her cousin was Rose Fitzgerald Kennedy. Ah. So there's that. Look at that. What a great longevity. Yeah. So how did you end up in Georgia? Well, came down here, uh, actually, after I graduated from high school, my family had already moved down. So mm -hmm. I stayed in New Jersey, graduated from high school, came down here, this thing called the Hope Scholarship, and I wanted to go to broadcasting school. And, you know, uh, for me, that was, do you go to Syracuse? Where do you mm -hmm. go in the Northeast? And the University of Georgia happened to have a, a world-class broadcasting program and this thing called the Hope Scholarship, and my family was already here, so come on down. And <laughs> went out to Athens and started to like this thing called SEC football yeah. as well. So it was pretty exciting to be here. Not I, a bad you know, choice. <laughs> growing up in the Northeast, it's all about professional sports. And down here, down south, I started to get my head around college sports. And it's incredible to me that 100,000 people show up in the stadium. And then there's another 100,000 people outside of the stadium just hanging out on any given Saturday in the fall down south. So really enjoyed the experience. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I know, so growing up, I mean, I know you've, you've got um, some siblings too, but what did your parents really teach you growing up in terms of like work ethic? How did you develop your work ethic? Uh, yeah, grew up in a, in a house where my, both of my parents worked very, very hard. Um, you know, I think, I think that is the foundation that was given to all of us, including my two siblings, is you have to get up, you have to go to work. By the time I was 13, I was working. Um, you know, I was working uh, all throughout high school, even when I was doing sports. If it wasn't sports season, mm -hmm. I was working in either a bagel shop or I was a counselor at a camp. Or at one point, I had even worked at a Burger King. It's, it's you have to go earn your keep. You want a car, you got to go get the money in order to pay for it. Mm -hmm. You got to pay for the insurance. You got to pay for things yourself. It was ingrained um, in us from very, very early on. And so for me, it's always been if you want to get your lifestyle to a next level, you got to yeah. put the work in, and you got to figure it out. Yeah, so. the work's important, right? It is. Something that's changed, I think, over the last two decades in our career, I think sometimes that mentality gets lost a little bit along the way. Yeah, there's very much what I see um, across generations where sometimes people are looking at a clock, and I just I don't ever remember punching a mm -hmm. clock. Mm -hmm. You know, and I understand that people have lives and they want to balance. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that an 80 hour work week is the right thing for you, because right. for some people, an 80 hour work week is not the right thing for them. Correct, yeah. um, for some people, it's a 30 hour work week, but also yeah. understand that sometimes there's a certain compensation that comes with that. Yeah. Or you might have to put in a couple years of a 60 to 70 hour work yeah. week in order to get to that 30 hour yeah. work week. Right. You got to you got to put in the work at some point. It doesn't come easy. 
Yeah. Well, you actually just hit on something because I want to touch on this. I mean, certainly you entered into radio broadcasting, right, as your first sort of after college, right? You went into to radio broadcasting and then from there worked for interactive ad agencies here in Atlanta. That's right. Right? And then ended up transitioning into the corporate world. So you've, you've really touched sort of all facets of, you know, whether it's radio, interactive, and now corporate. I mean, tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, it's been interesting because I didn't set out to ever say that I was going to do anything other than broadcasting. So for me, graduating from the University of Georgia, I was put in a very lucky situation where upon graduation, I became the afternoon drive anchor for a sports talk radio show here in Atlanta for 680 The Fan. WCNN were the call letters, and they were relaunching under a sports talk format at the time. And this was, this was 2000, so literally right out of college, I was going right into this role. Mm. And so I was like, I'm going to be a broadcaster. This is what I'm going to do forever. And then there's all these mergers and consolidations going on in the radio space. People might remember, you know, there were, there were probably 100 different radio companies at one time. Over the past couple of years, you've heard of a few, Cumulus, Clear Channel, CBS. There really aren't a whole lot more than that going on right now because yeah. of all these consolidations, which also means there's cost cutting that's taking place. And so the need for local broadcasting in certain places um, wasn't as common. Now, obviously, you have options for your own content with podcasts right. like Aspire to Be. I was going to say, so you're kind of back to the kind of, kind of back to, back it, to it now, which is exciting, yeah. right? Um, so I think, I think as I look at the transition I made, I was very much a little probably ahead of my time, mature for my age, in my late 20s at that point, thinking the only thing I had done since college was be on the air. So what are people going to see my skill sets as if I ever wanted to move out of this radio thing, because I was starting to get concerned with a little bit of foresight around what happens if my job is gone tomorrow. That's interesting, because for most people being on the radio, you would think that that's kind of, that's it, right? That That's the accomplishment, yeah. be on a radio show that, that a lot of people knew about too, right? So, I mean, but to have the wherewithal to sort of see forward and see where that's going, is that what led you into the interactive space? It is. So actually some of the guys that I had met in radio were starting a golf magazine here called Avid Golfer. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, let me step outside of that, utilize some of my sports contacts from my radio career to help them get this magazine off the ground here in Atlanta. Still extremely successful in Dallas, by the way. They still do a radio show in Dallas. Still very good friends with the founder, a guy named Craig Rosengarten. Mm -hmm. um, so we got that off the ground. And then this opportunity with an agency called IQ that I know you know very well came up to specifically produce television commercials for radio stations. And people might remember there was a guy before Ryan Seacrest, who, by the way, is from <laughs> right here in Atlanta, named Rick Dees, who used to host the top 40 shows. Um, and, and we were able to produce some commercials for Rick Dees. At the time, he was at a station called Move in 92.9 in, in L.A. And before that, it was uh, KISS, which was the big uh, FM station in L.A. But obviously being simulcast all around the country... And so Rick Dees is a huge name, and I was excited about the opportunity to go work for IQ to work in the radio business. But when it wasn't the spring or the fall book, yeah. um, which are the two biggest ratings periods of the year when people were investing in radio creative for television, it was what about the interactive side of the mm -hmm. business and what else is going on where I happen to meet a young up-and-coming leader and executive named Julie Kropp Gorelick. <laughs> I wasn't an executive then. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my cubicle was next to yours. <laughs> 
<laughs> we did have cubes. We didn't did we? have cubes. Yeah. We did. We did. But what's interesting, though, it, and you kind of bring it up, is is that you know at that time when you and I did start in interactive, it really was at the start, right? I think when we worked there, Twitter unveiled and came out for the first time, and we were embracing Facebook and and the new social platforms. So we really were early um, in that space. So we really got to see a lot of interesting things um, just from the development of social, the development of interactive. Yeah. You know, taking you know again. Again, video content, putting it online. I mean, that was kind of a big deal. So microsites, we, remember those? Oh gosh, microsites and Flash. Remember Flash? Flash, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely early on. I mean, and and certainly as you transitioned, um, you know, from from radio and then into a business development role, you then sort of left and went more into the corporate, you know, side. What was what was one of the drivers for for taking? that next career step. Yeah, interestingly enough, moved on to another agency called Max Media, was laid off sort of unexpectedly at that time, um, you know, and, and still, listen, still have good relationships with those people. It's just one of those things where I think, quite frankly, some agencies can hire too fast and yeah. didn't necessarily have the work in order to accommodate for it. So for me, I had to, at that point, all of a sudden, I was married, had to find my way, had to make a living. Um, so what do I do next, right? So I was like, all right, well, I have a college degree, but uh, I had a friend who worked in insurance. So, okay, let me let me go ahead and work in a boiler room to make some cold calls <laughs> for an insurance company. Um, you know, next thing I know, I end up finding this technology company um, called Silver Pop, which was born and raised right here in Atlanta. Okay. Huge uh, enterprise scalable email marketing automation platform started as Batch and Blast email. But the guys that I was working for used to listen to my radio show back in the day, ironically enough. Mm. And they're like, oh, wow, I used to listen to you. And now, now, also, when we were at IQ, you might remember, we bought a technology called Exact Target yes, to did. send out our emails, right? And so the Silver Pop guys wanted our business then too. Uh, but here we are full circle. I'm working for Silver Pop, not the technology we purchased at the agency, uh, and and started on a rocket ship. Quite frankly, we were a twenty-five million dollar organization when I started. Three and a half years later, over a hundred million in scale, and we're being acquired by IBM in a global enterprise acquisition, which I would make the next five years really uh, my my corporate journey at IBM. So that's fantastic. I mean, and to be on both sides of it, right? You started with a company that was building and scaling. You were able to survive the acquisition, right, and, yeah. and maintain, and then be very successful, you know, at IBM once you transitioned there. And honestly, I was so fascinated by the process, the the three and a half year process of what it was like to scale a growing organization. Mm -hmm. Financially, I decided to, uh, you know, at almost forty years old, go back to business school. Yeah. So I went back to Georgia Tech because yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't want to go around telling people, hey, I have an MBA after my name. But what I did want to do is I wanted to say I'm qualified to tell you that I understand holistically what happened to me when I was a part of this ascent and then this large global enterprise acquisition. Because between you and I, I didn't feel like I was qualified to tell that story. I had an undergrad broadcast journalism degree. Yeah. I didn't know how finance worked at the deep granular details at scaling and tech valuations and things like that. But I was fascinated by the process. And I really wanted to understand it at a deep, more granular level. It's that curiosity, right? It's, it's not only just curiosity, but it's also improving your knowledge, learning more and understanding the process. So to have to having had a front seat, right, to that acquisition was an experience that not everybody gets to see, right? And I'm sure you learned a lot about the process then and then certainly 
when she went back to business school, you know, at 40, which I love, right? Because we're never too old to stop learning. Right. Um, that, that now that continues to, to propel you forward. I mean, is that when you sort of had a, a desire to start your own business, to launch your own business? Is that really what motivated the, the thought? What an incredible experience, first of all, going back to business school. And I think I appreciated it more because of the time of my life that I did it. Um, being able to study internationally, travel to places like China, um, study and, and experience some companies and cultures all over the world. Um, in this confluence of, of personalities in, in a cohort where I did actual in-classroom learning, which, by the way, let me tell you, going back to the whole thing we were talking about <laughs> earlier about working hard, when you get off a plane at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, you're trying to cut through Atlanta traffic to get to a classroom at Georgia Tech to be there all night to be in class with a cohort. And then again, all day Saturday, and then you're flying out again on a Sunday because you have to go back on the road for work. That challenges your lifestyle on so many different levels. That's tough. But um, totally worth it. Uh, And yes, the actual program I went through was based on entrepreneurship. It was based on, it's called Management of Technology at Georgia Tech. But it's based on how do you fund um, and ultimately do a shark tank pitch, which is what we had to do. That was our master's thesis. Oh, that's great. In order to graduate from the program. We all love shark tank, right? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But these guys were literal, you know, sharks. And and we had to present in front of people that, quite frankly, are worth money that I've never been able to understand in my lifetime. So, Yeah. yeah. So tell me about, so, so still have a successful career in enterprise, you know, sales yep. and, and strategy. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of what those experiences have taught you. I know we had talked about this uh, prior to today, but, you know, when you're working for, you know, smaller companies, you don't necessarily get to have your fingers in, let's say, a $20 million deal or a $50 million deal. You know, what do you feel like those experiences have taught you just in general? Yeah. Uh, you know, being a part of something so large where so many different people participate in order to get something across the finish line that takes a sequence of events and a phased in strategy in order to accomplish a long term goal. I mean, it, it teaches me a couple things. Number one, um, you're only as good as the team around you. Mm-hmm. Everybody contributes, mm-hmm. right? So no matter who gets the credit for it at the end of the day, and I've certainly been that guy that's been held on a pedestal yeah. uh, at various points throughout my career for closing a huge enterprise strategic deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've also been a guy, quite honestly, that has never been given credit for contributing a large portion towards closing a strategic deal. Sure. But I also know that the first thing you do when you're in that situation and you get a big win is you congratulate everybody that contributed and make sure they get the credit for yeah. it. That's what you have to do. Um, also, I think there's a couple things that I've learned, especially over the past couple of years. You don't sell products anymore. Mm-hmm. If you sell products, you're going to lose. People don't want to hear about your products. People want to hear about your vision. They want to hear about your ideas. They want to hear about your long-term partnership strategy. And more importantly, what they want to do is they want to hear about how are you going to help me transform something or solve a problem for me. I don't care how much your product costs or how you're going to hit your quota this quarter or this year. Show me what it is you're doing for me over the next 6, 12, 18 months, two years, three years, five years, and why it makes sense for us to even go down this road of having these meetings with you and in this partnership. There's so much involved in that. And there's a huge ecosystem of people that are involved in, in, in making it work. And until you can get that cohesive unit to follow your lead, um, you don't close enterprise strategic business yeah. with large organizations. 
No, I mean, you, you nailed it, Jeff, there from, from the people aspect, right? I mean, really that it does take, you know, more than one person to, to bring one of those deals to life. And certainly as you've transitioned now as an owner of Bobbles and Lace here in Atlanta, yep. um, located in Marietta, Georgia, Georgia, for those listeners who are in our area, um, you know, I know that you've also carried forward that same principle as you look at your team. So talk to me a little bit about sort of what inspires you to create change now in your own organization? Yeah, I think uh, a couple things, right? So I got the bug to be an entrepreneur, which probably you could see from years ago of first and foremost, I didn't know anybody in the broadcasting business when I started. Everybody told me, what are you doing? Why would you do that? You don't know anybody. You're not going to get anywhere. It's not going to work out for you. You don't have any family in the business. Why would you go down a road? That's just a hard road. It's a difficult road to tow, right? Uh, Maybe it was. Maybe I got lucky. But I had the experience. I was able to see through it. And then I end up in sales roles. Um, quite honestly, I still don't know that, I, that I'm the most successful salesperson. I feel like there are a lot of things that need to add up in order for a seller to be successful at the end of the day. I feel like I'm more of an organic consultant yeah. in the way I go about it. And that's the way I'm successful because I genuinely care about the outcomes of the people that it is I'm working with. And so I see that in my own business, right? So let's bring it back to Bobbles and Lace. A couple of things. Like, I find that I'm now responsible for people's careers. For me, um, I want to take care of those people. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure they feel comfortable, right? I want to make sure that they know that there's a safe space for them to come and work, and they're not being judged every single day. Yes, we all have to perform. It's a new business, this, that, everything else. But I want you to come here and I want you to feel like this is a safe space. Um, I also want customers in my store to come in and feel like they're getting an experience they're not necessarily going to get somewhere else. To to be honest, one of the reasons why I got into the the small business world is because I find that customer service in general kind of sucks right now. Mm, It's not very good. Um, I, I feel like some of that's because there's been a challenge hiring people. Sure. There's, there's a challenge for businesses to keep people. Um, and so to get somebody to have an investment in the outcome of your customers, you really have to empower your employees to get to that place. And I feel like I'm trying to do that with what we're doing at Bobbles. And also, I want that to be reflected in the experience my customers have when they walk into the store. Mm-hmm. I want them to feel like a million bucks because they are. Yeah. You know, I want you to feel like you're coming in and... And you're going to leave because we challenged you to fit into something that you might not normally um, allow yourself to try. or And you feel good about it. I, most importantly, I want you to feel good about it. I don't want you to feel sold. I want you to feel like, wow, you showed me something that I couldn't see for myself. And this is a really, really good thing. Mm-hmm. I'm able to get out of my funk and out of my zone. And I can see something now for me that I wasn't able to see before. Yeah. And we've talked about this too. I mean, I think just having seen where we started in our careers, right? When digital became banner ads on microsites, right? Yeah. With a click through to a landing page that had an email form on it. I, I think what I'm now starting to see, and I don't know if you're seeing this as well, is that people really are investing in experiences as opposed to the transaction. And I feel like when Amazon came out, we really became transactional, right? That's right. <laughs> as consumers and buyers of goods, we became yeah. really, really transactional. But And a lot of online shopping is that. It's yeah. point and click shopping. It's not yeah. suggestive. Well, yeah. yes, they're suggestive. All right, let me take that comment back yeah. because you can see all kinds of things suggested for you. Sure. But do they know why? They don't always know your why. They're assuming your why, but they yeah. don't know because they haven't had that conversation like you and I are having 
having right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, Facebook, I am like an easy target. So for any brand that wants to find me, I mean, I will click on every ad that I am served up if it's relevant. But what I will say is, is I've seen a shift in that people are investing in people again. They're investing in those relationships. They're investing in the experience. And so as you go forward, the fact that you are already focused on experience, you're focused on building relationships. I'm trying, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I want it to be reflected when people leave the store, and they're ultimately the judge. But I'm yeah. trying. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I mean, I and I think, you know, it's certainly not something that all business owners are focused on, right, when they start. Um, but but um, that being said, so let's talk about you and I have had lunches, whether it for yeah. some for some years. Um, and I will say so you're talking about our unfiltered lunches, yeah, our or unfiltered <laughs> lunches. so, so um, for our listeners uh, that are listening in today. So Jeff and I met um, when we both worked in the interactive agency space, became friends. Um, and I don't know if he remembers this, but um, at the time, our agency loved to have group outings, like competitive. Remember the com competitive oh, yeah. kickball tournament? I do, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, I remember that was the first day because <laughs> I, when I grew up, I never drank coffee, yeah. all right? And then all of a sudden, I get into this morning radio world where literally I'm a 20-something. And there were days, quite <laughs> honestly, Julie, like I didn't go to sleep at night because at 3 o'clock in the morning, I had to be back at the radio station yeah. getting ready for the show the next day. Yeah. Not the best way to show prep. Not what I would necessarily advocate a young up-and-coming broadcaster do. There's a tremendous amount of preparation involved. But yes, that was me. That was back in my heathen days, and I admit I had them. Um, <laughs> um, so, so yes, I... I was definitely, uh, I was definitely in a place where I I needed coffee at a yeah. certain point, yeah. and all of a sudden coffee I became sort of codependent on it. And I'm not gonna lie, um, but it was a kind of hot day oh, one day. So I remember, hot. and it was I, 100 I, degrees. It was 100 <laughs> degrees, and I hadn't had any water to drink, yeah. and so we're out there um, doing these physical activities, and I'm like, maybe I should have drank water instead of a double latte or a double shot of espresso this morning because. Oh, yes. And from this northeastern gal who had just recently relocated to Atlanta, I had not quite experienced a hot, a hot Atlanta summer. And I remember oh, it was yeah. after the competitive um, hula hooping, which I did win, by the way, I did bring the team home on the hula hooping. I suddenly felt as though I was going to pass out. So yeah. <laughs> because of the heat, um, you ended up giving me a ride home. I remember. Because I literally was recovering from what I think was probably heat exhaustion. Yeah. Um, my team did not win the overall day. Um, but I will say... What I don't remember who won. I, I, that, that's so that's we'll, sad. So it's a know? fair bet, right? Yeah. But, but what I will say is you and I have consistently met yeah. uh, probably throughout the years, whether it's once a month or quarterly, yeah. in years when we've been super busy, not as often, but we've met. Um, and I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is that having those types of relationships with colleagues and friends that can talk you through or coach you through oh, yeah. different scenarios in our careers and in our business. And, and I know in the early years, I lamented a lot about the process of starting and growing a business. And now you're in the process of starting and growing a yeah. business. I mean, what, what do relationships, um, you know, drive in, in terms of your life? How are they helping you as you're sort of branching down this this new path? Well, let's talk about the dynamic between you and I, first and <laughs> foremost. I mean, listen, when you get yourself a Julie Crop Gorelick in your life, and I'm not just saying this because we're talking right now on a podcast where somebody is willing to be supportive, mm -hmm. be positive. And Julie, I'll admit at times my life has been a personal train wreck. I went through a divorce. I, I had a bout with Lyme disease. I, I haven't always had everything on the up and up. So mm -hmm. let me be very clear. Like life has ebbs and flows and challenges, mm -hmm. right? 
um, and, and you have consistency mm-hmm. and a consistent narrative behind that mm-hmm. of positivity yeah. and encouragement for each other. Yeah. Those are the kinds of relationships and the kinds of people you want to surround yourself with. Yeah. And they tell you, especially as you get older, sometimes if you're lucky, you count it on two hands, but a lot of times you can count those people on one. Yeah. Find the relationships where you find yourself, number one, up-leveling your skill yep. because you're surrounded by smart business people. And yep. I've always been surrounded by a smart business person every time you and I have chatted. And, and also make sure that you're able to talk about things that you can't necessarily talk about in every setting with every relationship dynamic you have. Well, if yeah. you can explore certain areas where you might feel alone, especially when you become a business owner, mm-hmm. there is a lonely space at times. So lonely, right? Because you have to make decisions. Yeah. And as much as you have people around you supporting you, they can't make those decisions for you. You're right. It's ultimately up to you. And everything you do, your people are codependent upon. Mm-hmm. And nothing matters more to me than their outcome. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Jeff, I mean, seriously, I mean, I think in those lunches too, even though I know that, that we've gleaned a lot from each other, I mean, I there were many lunches where, you know, I was, was being authentic and vulnerable in what was going on in the business and what, what, you know, as I had children and had to learn how to be a CEO and a mom and a wife and all those things, I mean, some of those lunches – they're pretty messy, right? Because we're trying to navigate this career that yeah. we've we've built ourselves, and 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 I think for me that's actually been very foundational, right? Because even though you didn't have your business then, you still understood sort of the journey, and you didn't judge too, right? Which is I think something that's hard for entrepreneurs is that um, I've had these conversations with friends too, where. Um, they're not sorry for you um, because of the choices. So if you're having a bad day, they're like, yeah, but you're living the dream. This is supposed to be amazing and you're complaining about it. So I always appreciated the fact that you never judged me for those days where I was like, what the hell was I thinking? Why did I do this? Go go back to Facebook if you want to be judged. (laughs) Go back to social media. It's not just Facebook, by the way. I'm not just blaming them. But social media in general, I don't know how kids – nowadays grow up with so- oh. being under a microscope with all that social media exposure that they have because I, I think about some of the mistakes I made as a kid and I'm glad it wasn't on blast mm-hmm. let me say that oh I agree I mean even as we're launching aspire to be right and the brand and putting a book out there I'm I think for me the vulnerability is knowing that there will be trolls and they will come and that's fine no doubt um, but I, I think it's definitely a dynamic that maybe 20 years ago 30 years ago, there, there were still trolls, but they didn't have a platform for which to share their every, you know, whim. Back, back <laughs> in the radio days, we used to say that there were people that listened because they loved us. There were more people that listened because they hated us, but they still listened. Yeah, it's true, right? So they're waiting for it, waiting for you to mess up, but yep. <laughs> but they were still listening and improving the ratings. So. That's right. So we still appreciate the the naysayers, right? Um, so as you have gone through this transition, or even the last twenty years in your career, I mean. What are some of the, the things that you've experienced that caught you by surprise? Oh, yeah. Some of the backstabbing. I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of it. I think ethics. I think um, what some people are willing to do because they think it gets them ahead, even if mm-hmm. only for a short gratification. Mm-hmm. Or I, I think some of the things that I've experienced and witnessed, I just didn't know was humanly possible yeah. by nature. Yeah. Um, and, and since then, I think I've been able to take a step back and say, you know what? I haven't walked in that person's shoes mm-hmm. and I've done a lot of forgiving and it's yeah. really been a cathartic experience to release some of the anger I've had over the years mm-hmm. for things that people have done to me. Yeah. 
um, or tried to do or the backstabbing that's occurred or whatever it is. You know, I, I was at, at one point in my career, I was in a situation where I had a boss that would scream at me every day. Mm. Scream, condescending, curse, this, that, everything else. It, to, to me, that doesn't work. It's just mm-hmm. not the management style that works for me. It may work for some people. It didn't work for me. Yeah. Okay. And so at the time, I was not happy as a person. And so I wasn't receiving it very well. But now sure. that I go back on it, I realize it was really that person that wasn't very happy with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what I've learned over the years is to try to take a step back. Don't be as judgmental or don't hold on to a grudge because something may have happened in the past. Understand that people are fighting battles you know absolutely mm-hmm. nothing about on their side. Yeah. Um, and try try to listen to understand, mm-hmm. not just to reply. And there's a lot of listening to reply going on in our society. And people have always got something to say before they've actually heard you out. Yeah. Hear somebody out. Oh, yeah. I mean, if anything, as I've sort of grown uh, my career and having a business, I think one of the things, and I'm sure the folks in my office will tell you they're sick of hearing about it, but I always talk about the psychology of the people, whether it's the client, whether it's the team member, it's just understanding sort of how they want to be spoken to or how they receive information and then being able to adjust your behavior to that. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect science. It doesn't work in every scenario. But just like you were saying, I think, you know, just learning that people are people, they all bring a life outside of them to every position inside. And I think it's being able to understand how to make those personalities all blend together. It doesn't always work. Um, but That's I think right. when you, to your point, listening is, is definitely big, a big piece of it. So as you sort of look forward and, and for those listeners who maybe are coming from a corporate environment, maybe they've been laid off, maybe yeah. they are unhappy, right, in their job. What's some advice that you can give them if they are thinking about starting a business or investing in a business? What can, what can they expect? Yeah, I, I would say a couple things, right? Um, as I think about it, I wish I had done it. Now that I've done it, I wish I had done it 20 years sooner. Mm-hmm. The one thing you never get back is time. Mm-hmm. So stop thinking and start taking action. Mm-hmm. Uh, always invest in yourself mm-hmm. because you're your greatest asset. Yeah, very true. Um, I, think, I think those are things that I would say. Uh, and also understand that there's ebbs and flows and roller coasters and if you're not happy in your now, your now is not your forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so understand that whatever is going on that might be challenging you in this moment, it's probably not going to be the case in an hour, in a day, mm-hmm. in a week. It's not always going to be this way. Yeah. Be confident in understanding there are better days. And that's a perspective that's hard for people to find, right? You mentioned you know, getting time back. I mean, you and I have both experienced some interesting work environments. We've learned some harsh lessons along the way, Um, but we've leveraged those lessons, right, to sort of propel us forward. So tell us a little bit about, you know, folks that kind of think, and we hear this a a lot with these sound bites of like, oh, anyone can do it. You just, anyone can throw up a a business and do it. I mean, would you say that starting a business was harder than you thought in different areas? Do you think it was easier? Oh, definitely harder. Um, But I sort of expected it to be, I think. Um, I knew it was going to be a challenge. If everybody wanted to do it, why wouldn't everybody own their own business? And then, sure. you know, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's harder than you think. There's money on the line. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest. I've been to Las Vegas. I've played a few hands of blackjack. They've come <laughs> to me later and they've said, do you want four free nights in a suite? And I've had to think to myself, is the best idea to go to Las Vegas and play those hands of blackjack? <laughs> That's exactly right. right. Yeah. But then again, maybe I'm predisposed to being an entrepreneur because I do take some risks. And I've had, I have taken risks in my life. I've taken risks in my career where people have told me, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but Listen, I would encourage anybody to, to go ahead and, 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 and grab the bull by the horns and say, I can do this. You can do it. So Bobbles and Lace Atlanta. Yeah. This is your first store. You didn't know I was a fashionista, did you? <laughs> I didn't. I mean, when you told me, I was so excited about it. Wasn't surprised. Um, but why a women's fashion business? Yeah, because it makes absolutely no sense. That's part <laughs> of the reason why. And think about some of the things we've talked about already, right? Like me going into the radio business. I didn't know anybody in the radio business. It's just kind of, it's a story of my life. If it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, why not give it a shot, right? Yeah. Um, so we've actually shopped at Bobbles and Lace before. I'm from Boston, as you mentioned. Uh, there's a store on Newbury Street, the big shopping district in Boston. One in Newport, Rhode Island, where I go vacation all the time. Um, see some family up there. And so there's a couple stores and been in a number of times and met the founder, Lindsay, right when she was opening the, the store in Newport of the brand. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, this is something that Aaron's wanted to do for years. Mm -hmm. um, so why not? What are we doing? What are we waiting on? And, and so we chatted with Lindsay and she's like, well, actually we're franchising and, and there's no stores down south. Would you guys like the opportunity to take it down south? And we're like, yes, we would. Absolutely. Let's go. Um, and before I know it, I'm writing a check, and, and here we are. <laughs> and you're in one of the busiest plazas in Marietta, too, which yeah, is Yeah, at Merchant's Walk, and surrounded by some incredible brands like Whole Foods, and uh, there's a J. Crew, there's a, a Kohl's, there's um, Seeds, a phenomenal restaurant, and Stem Wine Bar right there. So, uh, you know, this is my first uh, specific ownership venture when it comes to being in a shopping mall area but it's 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 interesting because there's a lot of things I'm learning as I go. Number 1 today one thing I learned is we're sharing sewer pipes with J Crew <laughs> and there's a plumbing backup. And so I had to figure that out the hard way because no. J Crew and Old Navy and Bobbles and Lace used to yeah. all be Old Navy. Uh, uh, so they're all on the same plane. So the pipes are all together. They're all together. Do you think that was sabotage at the I'm just kidding. No, not sabotage at the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what are some of the challenges? I mean, so so being that you that you've invested in this franchise and you've opened this store here, what are some of the the early challenges that you've had? Well, I mean, I think there's challenges when you get up and running, right? Number one, I don't necessarily know the fashion business, so I had to educate myself a little mm -hmm. bit about the fashion business. How yep. does it work? How does the wholesale market work? How does sourcing work? How do you make sure you're going to have a consistent sourcing? How many distributors can you source? Uh, how do we differentiate? What's the strategic brand differentiation in the market? Why would people come to Bobbles and Lace versus go to some of the other stores? Um, and I think a lot of that stems around the customer experience they're trying sure. to build. And so one thing I fell in love with immediately is, number one, there's a sisterhood, and they're trying to have women that support other women own these businesses, right? Yep. And so so Erin's a huge part of this business. She, she's, she's really the brains behind the operation for me because I work my corporate job most of the time. And, sure. and, and yes, I'm handling the payroll. I'm handling the insurance. I'm making sure all the things behind the scenes are done. But Erin does all the buying. Mm -hmm. She has access to a 1,000 distributors that she can order from. Mm -hmm. So we can source from places that not everybody's able to source from. Uh, so I like that. And also, let's make people feel good when they walk into the store. 
I like the idea of spreading positivity. I feel like we need a little bit more of that in this world. And I know that sounds silly because I'm talking about a women's clothing store. Yeah, well, but we're grumpy in general as women. So <laughs> you know, but <laughs> to have a positive retail experience is always something we're looking for. And I do for. feel like we live in a somewhat judgmental society, right? Yeah. So I want people to feel good when they leave the store. Yeah. No, I think that's important. And I know you mentioned Aaron. I know we this sort of tees up the conversation. So you and Aaron have been in a relationship for a very long time. Yeah. How has has starting this business venture together, um, what have you learned about that? It's, it's testing, right? Yeah. It's it tests it tests everything because I think there's days when you're extremely stressed out, there's timelines to hit. Um, you need to make sure that you're getting replenishment of resources. You need to make sure uh, you're on the same page when it comes to talking to employees, when you're talking to vendors, when you're talking to the franchise team, um, when you're when you're when you're when you're handling all aspects of the business. And I think there's a nice balance between Aaron and I. The personalities are somewhat different, mm -hmm. but probably for good reason. Sure. So, um, so you each bring something to we, the table. We bring something different to the table. And I think people would have to assess for themselves what those things are, but it, it's working. And what we've heard from talking with other um, folks that that have you know sort of a a spouse and you know or or a yeah. partner and they're running a business that it's really hard to um, put those boundaries in place. Have you have you figured out? Do you have any nuggets of wisdom for people who are learning how to work with a significant other and or a family member for that matter? Yeah, you got to make an appointment with each other. You got to make an appointment to turn it off. First of all, I think that. If we didn't make an appointment to turn it off at a certain point, we would be on and working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sure. And yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. Because, because there needs to be a balance in life, and life needs to happen, and we have families. And honestly, Julie, parents are getting older. Sure. You know, and, and it concerns me. It concerns Erin that her mom's getting older. It, con it concerns all of us as we see the aging process and things that are happening. And, you know, we, we need to make sure that we have enough attention focused on the business when it's time to talk about the business, but we're focused on the family dynamic and everything else that's going on outside of it while taking care of our own health. Yeah. Because if you don't take care of your health, how are you going to take care of your employees? Yep. Um, so we got to take care of ourselves too. No, it's so true. It's so exhausting just thinking about all of that. But you, but you sort of summarized what it what it really is like, right? So I mean, owning and operating a business isn't one decision. It's not one thing. Yeah. It's sort of an ongoing, perpetual conversation that you're having with yourself. <laughs> and Julie, I've told you this before. I'm a work in progress. I know I need to do better in all aspects of my life at all times. And I think as a business owner, as an employer, mm -hmm. I think as 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 a partner to Aaron, I think as as all kinds of things. Like I am a constant work in progress and trying to make sure that I do a better job of balancing my time as also a corporate employee right now. You know, I, I, I have a full-time job for a large tech company. And so for me, there's, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on in that given day at any given time. Yeah, no. Well, we appreciate that, that you've taken the time to, to share this with our listeners. Cause as we know, um, they're all juggling a lot of things too, sure. whether it is aging parents or children or teenagers or, uh, you know, uh, running the business, paying a mortgage. There's definitely a lot going on in their lives. Um, so what's next? We've got Bobbles and Lace Atlanta, location number one. Yep. Is growth on the horizon? Oh, yeah. Growth has always been the plan. Um, but but you know this. We've, 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 we've <laughs> right. known each other long enough. You know that one isn't enough. I think if you're sure. going to do anything, you got to go big or go home, right? Yep. And so scale is 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 obviously on the horizon. And 
Um, funding has been secured for multiple locations, and I'm prepared to take that leap and uh, actually was exploring some of those earlier this week. So oh, I'm excited so about fantastic. that. Fantastic. Well, congratulations, not just on um, not just on opening bubbles and lace, but really on sort of the trajectory your career's taken. I've, I feel very fortunate that I've had a front seat to sort of see us go from, you know, disgruntled 20 somethings to, um, building our lives. I still think of us as 20 somethings, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> well, so do I. Yeah. I had I more up... hair back then. I might've been a little more awkward, but here we are. Yeah. I wake up 25 every day and I'm, I'm <laughs> reminded that I am not actually 25, but, but we are so excited to follow your success at Bobbles and Lays. Certainly give Erin our best. We, you know, would love to have her on here as well and, and get her perspective too. But, um, but certainly um, we appreciate you joining us today um, and look forward to many more conversations that we can share. And, yeah. Filtered and, and unfiltered. <laughs> we'll save the unfiltered for our next podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode on Aspire to Be with Jeff Taves. You can find Bobbles and Lace on Instagram at Bobbles and Lace Atlanta. My challenge for you as you go throughout the rest of your day, aspire to be and dare to become. You might just surprise yourself. Subscribe to our podcast or visit www.aspiretobe.co to learn more. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast.